to another episode of Tuesday Tea. You guys, I'm so excited. I'm fangirling out here because Natalie Dawson is with me. She is amazing. Hi, Natalie. How are you? Well, good. How are you? So good. Oh my gosh. We're going to have so much fun. But before I jump into all my many questions, let me tell you a bit about Natalie here. She is an expert in developing people and building scalable teams. She has interviewed, hired, trained, and led thousands of employees over the course of her career, most recently as co-founder and partner of Cardone Ventures, a management consulting, joint ventures, and private equity firm that helps business owners achieve their personal, professional, and financial goals through the growth of their business with no cost of capital, no outside investment. In 30 months, Cardone Ventures has generated 60 million in revenue and over 30 million in EBITDA. Natalie is responsible for the operations and finding, hiring, aligning. We're going to touch on that, the aligning. Having attended the London School of Economics, Natalie uses her unique blend of operational and financial skill set to align employees with the business objectives for measurable returns on investment. She is a number one Amazon bestseller for her book, Teamwork, which is amazing, which details exactly how she built a highly engaged, highly aligned, high performance team in order to accommodate the business opportunity and growth. Woo, lady. (laughs) Welcome. There's a lot there. (laughs) There's a lot there. And you're just so inspiring. So Natalie... (laughs) (laughs) How did you find yourself as the go-to expert in developing people and building scalable teams? What's more of your story? Yeah. You know, it was something that I stumbled into. It was definitely not something that in high school, I was like, oh, this is going to be my career path. And Mm -hmm. I... I work with my husband, so he um, and he, he and I have an age difference. My husband's 25 years older than I am. And when I first started working with him, I mean, he has 25 years more experience than I do. And so for me, it was really figuring out, A, what am I good at? But what was almost more important than what I was good at is figuring out what he's good at and what he's not good at so that if we're going to lead a team together, if we're going to create businesses together, which was our goal, you know, he's going to do the things that create the most value because he already has those things grooved in. Whereas, you know, when I started my career early in my 20s and started working with him early in my 20s, I didn't really have a skill set. So that was my time to read books and to take online courses and to really hone a skill set. And my husband is amazing at leading and aligning teams. I've learned so much from him. But in our business today, that's really my focus and emphasis is around our team structure and accountability and putting metrics in place. And so it really just happened by default, uh, not because it was just some like plan that you know was perfectly laid out for me and that I had this clear visibility into. And I I think sometimes people get tripped up with that though. Like you think, oh, somebody just knew that this is what they're supposed to be. They knew they were going to be an entrepreneur. They knew they were going to have this role or be really good at marketing. And I, I just don't find that, that that definitely wasn't my path. Yeah. That's something that I can absolutely relate to. Marketing found me. It totally yeah. found me. I went I went to school for music. What? Like how <laughs> How did this happen? So yeah, that's that's so interesting. And how nice that you can come together with your husband to create this empire that you have, that you've that you've created for yourselves and for so many other people. What's yeah. that like working with your husband? It it's amazing. I love working with my husband. Um, it definitely comes with so many highs that you know create opportunities. We travel together. As I mentioned, this age difference of ours, like really early on in our relationship, impacted what. I wanted my long-term goals to look like because I knew 
like statistically, like I'm going to have him less time, like actually gets me a little choked up. I don't normally talk about this stuff. I used to talk about this stuff all the time. And now we just don't talk about it very often. But I, I used to really think to myself, wow, if I, if he's 25 years older than me, and this is the person I want to be with, how do I maximize the time that we do have together? Because it's not going to be, we're not going to die and grow old together. I'm not going to be old and and like statistically speaking, um, I'll Mm -hmm. be, you know, hope he tells me that he's going to live till he's a hundred, but if he lives the average age, which I think is around 80, I'll be, what will I be at that point? 55. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be 55, which, you know, like I was like, I, I have to figure out how we can work together and how we can have more time together. So when we were figuring out what we wanted to do and how we wanted to structure our work, it was really important to us that we did work together and that we figured out how to complement each other. And it helps with getting over things really easily. Um, We don't go to bed mad. We don't have arguments that last a long time. And it really makes us efficient together in business because we can just move through things very quickly. So those bigger picture goals, sometimes businesses that have couples in it or family dynamics. It just feels heavy constantly. And we've worked in businesses that feel heavy. We've had that experience before, but when you really think about, okay, how do you make it not heavy? Well, you remember that you're going to freaking die one day. And if you know that you're going to die and you value these relationships, all of a sudden you're like, oh, what? oh yeah, we chose to do this. We chose to start a business together. We chose mm-hmm. to work together. Okay. Like let's figure out how to make this fun. And, and that's how we keep things fun and exciting, even when they're hard and stressful and sometimes painful. Yeah. Wow. You're choosing to do it together. I love that. Yeah. And that, that is, that is extraordinarily powerful. And just that reminder that none of us are getting out of here alive. It doesn't matter what age we are. No one's getting out of this alive, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. I'm glad that you're maximizing the most time possible. Yeah. Yeah. It it helps us, you know, it's really easy to forget that you do have a choice. You don't have to. Absolutely. You don't have to. Absolutely. You don't have to ask for all of these things. And then when you remember that you kind of go back to the default, like, okay, why did I do this? And you mentioned earlier why we do what we do. We're here to help business owners achieve their personal, professional, financial goals. So whatever business owner wants to do, it's like, if they want to be able to take their kids on a trip to Disney world and to be able to take their whole family for two weeks Mm -hmm. and not have the business collapse under the weight of them being gone. Like, how do we help them structure the business to do that versus some businesses have, you know, they want to have some large exit. And if that's the business owner's goal, how do we help them in a different way? And when you can really get back to like everything that we talk about is what is the goal? Like, what is the target? Because if you aren't clear about what the target is, if Brandon and I were just like, oh, it'd be fun to have a business together, we'd fight constantly and we would be frustrated all the time together. But if it's, oh, we want to have this really amazing life and we want to be on the same page and we want to be an example to other people and we want to really figure this thing out so we can help other people do it faster than it takes us to do, Mm. it just like puts everything to perspective so quickly. Nice. Nice. Really well said. Really, really well said. There's something in your bio that I wanted to to come back around to, if I may, specifically the word aligning. Mm. You mentioned aligning individuals with their teams. And I love this word. Because, I mean, you and I know this, right? Hiring is not just about finding the right people and saying, all right, good luck, right? There's so much more involved in creating a team. As you know, like you're working with your husband, you're a team. Can you speak a little bit more about how you align individuals and put them in the right teams? Yeah. So 
before starting Cardo Ventures, I had never actually hired somebody before. I've worked in businesses where we had employees and we had an HR department who was responsible for their recruiting, but I'd never actually done it. And we had zero employees three and a half years ago. And as I mentioned, my husband has a significant uh, set of experiences that would not have him be the first choice to be the person that's responsible for recruiting new team members. And so when we were like picking out early on who's responsible for what, I was the one who was going to be responsible for recruiting and hiring our team. And as I became responsible for this, I had to learn how to post things on Indeed and what actually works because the whole process starts with the business owner being really clear about what they're looking for. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes in aligning that business owners or leaders make is they just think, oh, I want a marketing person or, oh, I want a finance person. And there's very little intentionality put into the process of figuring out what they're looking for before they just go out and make some bland vanilla job post on some job board that then it's going to get average team members and average candidates in the pipeline. And then you just kind of set the whole thing up incorrectly. For us, the alignment really starts in the job post of being really intentional about, okay, what is this person actually going to do in this business? And why would somebody want to join this role? Because I oftentimes think about that. I'm like, man, why would I want to do this? If I was a marketing expert, why would I want to choose Cardone Ventures inside this team with this specific set of responsibilities? What's the opportunity? And when you ask yourself those questions and kind of follow your own candidate journey for what you put your, your candidates through, you start to like kind of sell yourself on these things, or you start to fix your business so that you can be in a position to sell why somebody should want to work with you in that position. And so to me, the alignment really does start all the way from the beginning at the job post and goes through having an intentional interview process where you're actually clarifying if you know what you're looking for, does that person have those skill sets? Do they understand what they're getting themselves into? And I'm a huge proponent of trying to convince people out of uh, taking a job with us. Uh, It's been three and a half years of crazy growth and people hear growth and they're like, oh yeah, I want to grow especially when people sell it that way, but we've chosen not to sell it that way of like, hey, growth for us equals problems and challenges and departments splitting apart and coming back together and being rebuilt with new processes. And if you're into that, this is the place for you. If you don't like uncertainty, if you don't like change, this really is not going to be the place for you. And when we tell people that it actually does weed out people who don't think that that's for them. And that creates alignment so that on day one, they already have some sort of understanding of what the culture looks like, what the expectations are. I was just going to say expectation, exactly what the expectations are of working with you so that you can get them the best result or else what's the point? What is the point? Why else? I go through the process. Exactly. Let me ask you this. Out of what percentage do you find, like when you're when you're working with a business owner and you're breaking down, like, okay, who's the A-level players? Like, let's look at all these people. Do you find that there's a specific percentage of people that have been inside the business that just needed to be given an opportunity to get promoted to the next level? Or is it usually finding people that are brand new outside the business to come in and, and uh, sort of beef things up, so to speak? I have a high level of belief that people can change even if they're in a bad environment. I just know that it's difficult to do. And I like to think of it as high school dating. So when <laughs> when you were in high school, there were all of these couples that would come together and they would fight over just like petty, stupid high school stuff. 
but then they would likely break up. They probably broke up a bunch of times off and on in high school. If mm-hmm. you fast forwarded and had them meet when they were in college or even out of college, they probably would have been great for each other. But because they had already gone through all of the baggage of whatever stupid things happened in high school, it kind of ruins the relationship. And so oftentimes business owners can want to restart and could be a really good fit. But because of the lack of accountability that they had, the lack of clarity, the changing of direction, they aren't able to sell the new opportunity and be accountable themselves to make it a strong enough like pull for that existing team to really like step up to the plate. They like recast the vision kind of, and are worried about people leaving. So it might be like a little bit of a watered down version and their best Mm -hmm. people don't want anything to do with a watered down version. And the worst people are the people that stay. But if the business owner can really commit to, Hey, I I've messed up in these three areas. This is how I'm going to fix it. This is what my commitment's going to look like. And you actually see them. They're the first in, they're the last out and they kind of reset that culture. I do believe that team members have the opportunity to pivot and make that same change as well. Nice. It leads me to to thinking about something that you posted on social media. I I think it was this week. There was a very specific quote that said, when you learn to lead yourself, then you can lead anybody. And I watched that like six times. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. And that makes me think about like me as a leader with my company, I lead a team of 30. Mm -hmm. And when I think about the ins and outs of like operations and what it means for me to continue to support my team, because I'm only as good as my team. And I only learned that in the last like six years. I mean, I went so long thinking I could do it all by myself. Ha ha, right? Joke's totally on me because I could have gotten, I mean, way further, way faster yep. with my team. So now that I have this incredible team, I'm starting, you know, Every year that goes by, I'm I'm developing more relationships and not transactionships with my team, right? Really understanding who they are as people, celebrating their birthdays, knowing when their kids' birthdays are. Mm-hmm. However, there's a boundary, right? Like it's all about setting up those boundaries and making sure that the team continues to be accountable. So my question to you is, have you found that when you're working with clients, is there that uncomfortable space where it's like, well, how close do I get with my team? Uh-huh. You know, is, is, is it okay to celebrate all the wins, the little wins along with the way with my team? Do I tell them where we're at financially in the business, all that stuff? Have you seen where boundaries have been like so significantly crossed? And then where is that sweet spot? For sure. Uh, I really do think that it does start with the leader deciding what type of business they want to run. And if the mm. business owner is saying, I want to scale, I want to grow, which to me, it would seem silly to not, unless you're setting up a lifestyle business, there are people out there who like, Hey, they, they have other goals. Like their targets are somewhere else. And the business is very much a conduit to, to, to achieve those targets. That's great. But I do believe like, I think people can have it all. And I think that if you have a $500,000 business or you have a hundred thousand dollar business, you could have a million dollar business or you you could have a $5 million business. And I also believe that people's lives would get better and you'd be able to hire more employees. If you're a good person, right? If you have a good product, a good service, and you're a good person, good people are able to do more with more resources. And so when somebody does have a $500 business and they aren't pursuing it to be 5 million, like to me, there's something just a little bit off with that, but it can be a conduit to other goals. So if you do 
want to grow your business and you aren't somebody who's like trying to make it this other thing, your ability to grow is going to be based on how easily you're mimicking what large businesses do. What do large businesses do? What do Fortune 500 companies do? They have quarterly earnings meetings where they share what the profit of the business is, what the revenue is, where things are trending, where things aren't going well, what the notes are for what they're going to do about the things that aren't going well. And so if you look at large organizations and you maybe don't aspire to have a billion dollar company or go public with your organization, but you still want to grow it, you should do the things that bigger businesses do. And so I'm a big fan of financial transparency from business owners. Mm -hmm. And I think that that transparency also should be asked of your team members. If you're saying you want to grow, if I'm as a business owner saying, I want this business to grow, I know like as a principal that my team is never going to want something that I want more than they want something that they want. So if my team members aren't goal-oriented, why do I think that they're going to be interested in helping me achieve my goals with our clients or with our customers or with our patients, whatever that business model is? So you have to hire goal-oriented people who are like at least interested in bettering themselves if your target is to grow because they have to care more about that than they're going to be able to care about your thing. And when somebody takes a high level of responsibility for their goals, and you show them a picture of how they can achieve those goals through working alongside you inside your organization, then that's like the most beautiful thing. When you don't paint that picture, sometimes it feels easy to get like wishy-washy with too loose of boundaries with team members just saying, it's just maybe TMI, like you just, sometimes it's a little too much information with boundaries that people can share in, in a, a mm -hmm. work setting around goals. Um, but I would rather have the more, more transparency, but like real authentic, Hey, this person's going after this thing, uh, yeah. than the none at all. Uh, and so I'm, I'm more of a fan of share more versus share less. Nice. Nice. You said something that I think is so important that good people can do more. Mm. Good people just flat out do more. Yeah. I've never thought of it in that way. Yeah. And that has this beautiful simplicity that is like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. and why wouldn't you? Like, if you knew why, that, why you wouldn't could. you? Yeah. Right. And I honestly, I think I, as a, I can only speak, I, I'm, I obviously am a woman. I, for a long time, felt like I shouldn't want to compete against other businesses, not against other women, but against other businesses because I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, make it seem like their thing wasn't good. But when, I was asked a direct question from Grant. Grant Cardone, who's a business partner of ours. He's like, well, are you a good person? I was like, yes. He said, do people deserve to know what your products and service are because you actually help them? It's like, well, of course. It's like, then why wouldn't you make this bigger? Like you, at that point, if you can answer yes to those two questions, you, you have a moral obligation to fulfill on that. If you have a moral obligation because you know you provide help to people, you, you stop feeling bad. And especially like, I feel like it, it could be a female thing or it could just be a Natalie thing. Sometimes you just feel bad about thinking, oh, well, I don't know why I need a $5 million business or I don't know why I need a $50 million business. Well, you, you, you should need those things because think of how much more you could do. Think of how more, many more employees you could hire. Think of how many more foundations you could help support. Like everything gets bigger through the impact that you're able to create and you already deliver a good product and service. Now, if you're a sleazy business person and you like do shady stuff, 
forget about it. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. But if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, I, I do, I do something great and I know it's great and I help people. There's no reason that your business can't and it, that it shouldn't, like it actually should grow and scale. 100,000%. Yes. Yeah. Well, what would you say to the business owners who have absolutely no idea where to start when it comes to building their own high-performance teams? Where should they start? Well, if they have no idea, um, I would start with the job description. If you either have an existing team and they're sub-performing or you're about to hire a team, maybe you have a handful of team members or you have zero employees. Mm -hmm. The first thing, like I actually, I legitimately here on my desk have a whole thing. Oh wait, no, they moved it. They moved it over there to make my office look pretty for this podcast. And it does. (laughs) It's just like, everything's clean. It doesn't normally look like this. There's papers everywhere, but I have a folder printed on my desk of team members' job descriptions. Now why we have 185 employees. Why am I looking at job descriptions? Because it's the most important thing when, when something goes wrong, we had something go wrong with a team last week. There was a huge miss in one of our, our leadership team members' responsibilities that put the organization in a pinch last week. And so the first thing that I go to is what is that person's job description? Did I ever tell this person, this is their responsibility? Now you can have this back and forth thing, especially with more like higher level like leadership team members. Should you have known that that was your responsibility without me having to tell you? Hmm. Maybe they should have known, but why didn't you tell them? Like where was Natalie having the highest level of responsibility inside our organization to ensure that something that is very valuable actually was told and explained to this person, this needs to get done in this way. And I pull up the job description. The thing that they didn't do wasn't in the job description. I fixed that job description and had a meeting today with that person saying, hey, guess what? We all make mistakes. It's okay that you make mistakes. If this mistake ever happens again, you no longer have the opportunity to work this organization. It's that it's that serious. It is that important. It is the case of a couple million dollars if we mm. don't go in the right direction. So I, I need to make sure that I have your attention on this yeah. every single week now on Mondays. This is a best practice that I do for myself. I recommend you doing this. I look at my job description and I say, Natalie, what are the things that you are not doing that is on this list of things that you should be doing And then I make sure that week that I do those things and getting yourself in that routine of like, what is your job description in your business then gets you like in tune with, okay, what is that? What do other people think their job descriptions and their roles and responsibilities Mm -hmm. are, which then actually creates a really efficient organization where things get done the way that they're supposed to and the time that they're supposed to, because everybody knows that those are the most important things. That's such a healthy approach where you're not blame you're not blame shifting. There's nothing like that. It's like, let here it is mm-hmm. black and white, clear as day. That's your yeah. job description. Here's my job description. Mm-hmm. Let's all continue to work in harmony. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you gave sort of the, the final warning of like, here, this happened, mistakes are okay. And I'm sure that person will never make that same mistake again, I imagine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But wow. if they do, and you have to terminate that person, all of a sudden, I'm not emotional about that. Right. I have to find somebody who can do this job. If you can't do this and I've told you to do it, the best thing would have been if you would have known to do it. But that's just not the reality that we live in. And the more business owners and leaders can really take accountability for the, the environment that they create and for the mm-hmm. expectations that they're setting, mm-hmm. the, the better off you are. Hmm. 
What are some of the like essential components of promoting growth within the company, specifically around like the team members themselves? Are there some essential components that you recommend we all immediately put into action for our teams? My number one role in any meeting, and it sounds so silly, somebody could take my job in our organization very easily, and I'd be very happy if they did. Like my number one role is to ask one question in every meeting with every team member. What is the target? Mm. And if they don't know what the target is, this goes back. It's a little bit tied to job description. Ideally, there's like in a job description, there's what you're actually responsible for doing. That's something more um, like objective based. Oh, if you make phone calls, you uh, tell people hello when they walk in the door, you make XYZ ads. But then there there should be metrics associated with what that those activities are. And if no one's clear on what the target is, that's where confusion takes place. That's where businesses don't end up growing because no one was ever really clear saying, hey, guys, the target is to fill this event. Hey, guys, the target is to grow our client's revenue by 25%. Once you say what the target is, hey, our client's revenue grow by 25%. And then you get a report that says our client's revenue has only grown 21%, then you can actually take action. But if you just get a report, well, most of the time people won't even set a target. So then they don't get the report that it's 21% and they wonder why their business is growing. Well, it's because they never actually set the 25% target because once you set a target, it forces you to ask, well, how am I going to track this? Mm -hmm. And I think growth doesn't happen a lot of times because there's so much cloudiness around what the real numbers are, who's responsible for what and what the outcome truly should be. So if I could give like a business owner one target, it's like, what is your revenue going to be next year? If you have a $500,000 business today and your revenue target for next year is $2.5 million, what has to change? What revenue line items grow and who are, who's responsible for those individual revenue line items? If it's all you great, hopefully like that's where the scaling breakpoint takes place because from 500 to 2.5, it's likely going to have to extend beyond you and you're going to have to have other team members involved. Um, But yeah, it's what's the target every single time, every day, every meeting, guys, what's the target? And and all all of the problems unravel from there. Yeah. You are keeping everyone accountable. I love it. Yep. And everybody accountable to growth. It's not just like, hey, we're accountable to to stuff for, we have a saying around here, we recognize effort, but we reward results. Mm. Mm. I'm, I'm happy that you worked 12 hours yesterday. I am <laughs> happy that you read this book, but what was the result from the work that you did? Could you have done the same work in two hours? Could, did you read the book, but not actually implement anything? So we right. don't like, we don't pay people. I, we, we worked with a client once who's like, oh yeah, we give people a hundred dollar bonus for reading books that we recommend. Like, but they don't, they haven't done anything with the book. They could just read the book, but you're, you're rewarding them through doing effort, not through some sort of result. And when you actually start rewarding people through results, Mm -hmm. again, it forces you to track results. It forces you to have understanding. Well, then more on that a little bit, then how do we continue to motivate our teams and what types of incentives do you recommend? Like, is it monetary incentives? What does that look like? Totally. Business owners grow. They push themselves. They listen to podcasts. They read books because they understand the idea that if they add skill sets to themselves and they invest that time in themselves, they are going to make more money through 
through doing that. No one's listening to this podcast just to like have a good chat with you, right? They're like looking <laughs> for something, right? Like you're great, right? But but they're like they're looking to 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 have some sure. sort of outcome. So if you don't have that same structure with your team to where you're clear with them on if you do these three things, you can make more money. Of course, they're going to get disengaged. If they don't know how they're going to make more money, why would they put all this energy and effort into being the very best that they can be every single day and showing up early and being prompt and preparing for all of their client calls and going the extra mile if they know that there is no hope or there is zero prospect or understanding of how they can actually increase their income? So from an incentive standpoint, uh, I... I like to tell business owners that no business owner has a 15% of their payroll problem. Hmm. And what I mean by that is like you could overpay by 15%, take your existing payroll right now, whatever it is, increase it by 15%, use Hmm. that 15% as leverage to figure out every team member, how they could make 15% more and start playing with metrics. So what do they have to drive? If the business is growing and their incentive is getting paid out more, that's the ideal scene. Their incentive is going up, but the revenue is the same same or going down. You've clearly made a wrong incentive choice. So once you do that though, you're not going to do that two months in a row. You are not going to overpay your team members for not creating value months and months and months in a row. Uh, and so I encourage people to like lose money very quickly because when you lose money at something, you actually start paying attention to that thing and you will figure out what is my bookkeeper's metrics? What is the marketing manager's metrics? What can they actually do to create value? And you actually create happier team members because they're adding value and they know what they're responsible for. High-performing people want to freaking know what the score of the game is when they're in the third or fourth quarter. They don't want to be like, oh man, I don't even know. I didn't realize we were playing today. Like they want to know. And so if you want to create a high-performance team, you have to give high performers what they want, which is what are their stats against what the targets are. Absolutely. Absolutely. How often do you come across a business owner where you have to educate them on like business basics, like the essentials? Like, hey, here are the three financial reports you need to know. You need to be looking at. Don't just trust the bookkeeper. You got to be on the same page. Do you do you take the time to teach them those things? Or is it like, okay, you know, next week we can't work with you until you've come up to this level? What does that look like for your business? Yeah, it's actually a little shocking to me. Um, the definition of an entrepreneur is somebody who takes on greater than normal financial risk. It's not somebody who has an idea or somebody who has a, who builds a team or somebody who creates a business. Like it's somebody who takes on financial risk. And we started this business and we have this process called a platform review. And our platform review is supposed to take six months and it was taking eight months. And I looked at the team, I'm like, why is this taking eight months for us to do these deep dives into these businesses? They're like, well, we can't get access to their financials. I was like, what do you mean? Just get on the phone with their bookkeeper, get their financials. And what came to find out is they didn't have regular calls scheduled and set up with their bookkeepers. They more, some of them were running their, their financials off of, or their, um, their businesses based off of tax returns. Like there is actually such poor financial literacy at businesses that are doing 12 million a year, 15 million a year, all across the board. And so I like hammer people when it comes to this stuff. It's like, Listen, this is what you're doing. You are an entrepreneur. You're taking on greater than normal financial risk and people depend on you. You using your excuse as I can't find a bookkeeper, my outsourced bookkeeper isn't working. You're not taking the actual responsibility of what your job is here. 
And so like, I'm like willing to slap people in the face to say, I don't need to tell somebody like, this is the, the, these are the statements like, dude, go freaking Google something for four hours, four to eight hours. You're going to gain all the competence in the world and look at your financials every single month. That's mm -hmm. likely why most people don't set targets and they don't create incentive plans for their team members is because they don't actually know what's going on in their business. Exactly. I can't tell you how many, how many new clients come to me and just say, okay, we need marketing help. Like, mm, wait a minute. Let's actually look at like the essentials, the basics. Let's look at the numbers. The numbers aren't going to lie unless your bookkeeper is fudging some things, right? Mm -hmm. And it it just blows my mind when I say, okay, can you pull up the PL between, you know, this month and that month? And they'll go, what? I, I don't know. I I guess I could call, you know, the person that might know. I'm like, you should just know. You should know what yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's my biggest pet peeve. It's yeah, like, look, I, I can sit here and sure, I'm going to charge my hourly rate for this, but I don't want to because these are things you should know. Right. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's just, it's a low level of responsibility. And so there you go. When, when you invite people to do something different. Like, to be honest, most people have never been trained how to do that though. Like right. there's no, even in, I went to some silly schools that had fancy classes and professors who were really experienced and no one really sits down with business owners to say, this is how, and this is why, and just do these like few things. Mm -hmm. um, so I get them to take, I, I, I encourage people to take a lot more accountability because sometimes you just don't even recognize what your role is. And when I tell entrepreneurs, Hey, this is actually like, if this, if you had a job description and you did the same thing that we're asking our team members to do, you would be looking at, Oh, entrepreneur or founder or co-founder mm -hmm. or CEO, the financial strategy and outlook of the organization is my responsibility. Well, then you audit your time. How much time are you actually spending on that thing? Zero. Okay. Well, we just need to fix this. Like, let's just get some financial literacy. You can figure this out. You're smart. You're capable. You have a business. Let's just spend the four to eight hours learning this and we're off to the races. Exactly. And that that's where I was going with this. It's like, as frustrating as this is, literally with just a few hours of that educational piece of, hey, just step into your entrepreneurial power here, you know, yep. go to Dr. Google, you know, just start exactly. looking at some things, exactly. listen to a podcast that you can gain some extra education from. Mm -hmm. I had to figure out all of this stuff completely on my own because I didn't realize that I could even ask for help, talk mm -hmm. to professionals at the time I couldn't afford it. So there's a lot that I've like stumbled through. I've crawled through fire to get to where I am. Mm -hmm. And that's part of my story. And I'm so grateful that I got that opportunity to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I've crawled out of significant debt because I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know I needed to, you know, understand my metrics. I didn't even know what that meant. Right. Um, learning all about KPIs. I don't know. I mean, it's so all these like, yes, they're important acronyms that we all need to know and like speak the, the business jargon and language and all that. But, but I think at the heart of it, as long as we're willing to continue to learn mm -hmm. and that piece of it is what will help us grow. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so speaking of continued learning, uh, Natalie has just a phenomenal book, which I started, I started listening to. So I listened, I'm, I'm a mom, right? So my, my idea of sitting down and actually looking at a book sounds like a sweet fantasy right now, but the audio book is amazing. I'm halfway through it. It's just, it's so easy to digest. 
and it's actionable. And that's what I absolutely love about the way that you write and speak. And so I know that you have a very special offer for our listeners. If you could tell them a little bit more about that. Yes. I would love to offer a free copy of teamwork. You can go to cardoventures.com forward slash teamwork and the book will get shipped straight to you. I wrote teamwork because when I was an early leader, I didn't really understand what being a leader meant. And so I will never forget the first one-on-one meeting I had with my new team, who most of them were older than I was at the time and had already been doing what they were doing for many, many years. And I would just sit and shoot the shit with them and talk and ask them how their weekend was. And I didn't really have structure. And that created so many problems throughout really leading them. And it led to two or three years of very unsuccessful meetings, very unsuccessful business outcomes. And I felt like I had read a lot of leadership books about, you know, how to have the mindset and all of those things are important, but I really wanted to create a book that was super tactical, that had the forms, like all of the things that I now use today to really effectively run teams. And so teamwork is chock full of like chapter by chapter, it goes through how to align team members, how to develop them, how to fire them, the specific interview questions. But there's also like the forms that I use day in and day out to run our business. And those key principles don't change. Those are the principles that you implement when you're at 50,000 in revenue and we're still implementing them and we're going to hit 70 million in revenue this year. And so teamwork is a phenomenal read. It's a short read. Um, but it's chock full of all sorts of good nuggets that really empower leaders to to truly create high performance teams. Packed with value. Highly recommended. I'm, I'm going to finish it as soon as we get off this call. <laughs> I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to get all the information. It's amazing. Well, I want to be most respectful of your time, but I do have one more question, if I may. Of course. Yeah, let's do okay. it. All right. So I know that you talk a lot about your three-step framework, right? specifically around teams that want to pursue their professional, their personal, and their financial goals. Mm -hmm. Can you tell the listeners a bit more about that framework? Yes. So we have this process. It's called the personal, professional, and financial goal planning process. We use a lot of acronyms. So we, we call it the PPF process, but really it goes back to this concept of if I want to grow my business I need to surround myself with people who want to grow themselves and who see my business as the vehicle for them to achieve their goals. And so at around the two month mark of somebody's employment inside our organization, they will sit down with their manager and go through one, three, five personal, professional, and financial goals. And my husband started doing this at his previous organization. I was the benefactor of, I was a team member there And my manager sat down with me and asked me about my goals and I felt silly doing it. And it kind of, when you're a leader and when you're a business owner now, goals just seem like the normal thing to talk about. And you're always talking about where you want to go and who you want to be. But when you're a team member, I still today have people who will break down crying saying, you know, I've, Mm -hmm. I've never been asked these questions before. I don't talk to anybody in my life about my goals and it's so impactful to get people to to get really clear about where they want to go and how they can see inside your business actually achieving those things. And so you create two things. One, you create this impact that your your team is having as like an extension of you and your brand because they're achieving health-related goals or financial goals where they're paying off debt or they're able to provide for their families in a different way. Like you're you're, you're changing people. That's the first thing. But then the second thing 
is there's so much loyalty that comes with team members who have been impacted by your leadership and who have been changed because of the mentorship that you've created inside your organization. And, you know, we have team members who have been alongside this journey um, with my husband for 10, 12, 13 years because they started as a coordinator and now they're vice presidents because of the tools and resources um, that we provide. Once somebody says, hey, I want to be taken seriously. This is the direction I want to go with my life. It's your job as a leader to then give that person those things or create those opportunities, but you would never know them if you never talked to that person. And everybody has different goals. So you start to kind of tailor your approach to, okay, what is my team wanting? And when you know what your team is wanting, if it's in alignment, that's fantastic. Then you can figure out what that plan looks like. If it's not in alignment, you can either get in alignment or figure out what lack of alignment really does mean to you. And if that's important, how to potentially transition or, you know, whatever it looks like, but this PPF process it's transformed my life. I wouldn't be the same person I am today without having somebody very early in my career take an active interest in what my goals were and kind of help me get those steps together. And then I know we've changed thousands of people's lives through our businesses, um, our team members, families, themselves. Uh, And it's just like this thing that just creates this incredible effect that then also brings in new great talent for you and creates the, the real growth that business need that businesses need in order to grow and scale. Nice. Wow. Well, thank you for diving into that a bit more. For sure. I just, I admire you and everything that you've built and it's, it's been a joy to follow whatever you're posting on social media. And I will continue to do that. I will be sure to put all the links uh, for Natalie's book, as well as all of her socials in the show notes. And just thank you. Thank you for your time. I know you are a busy, busy woman. So it's just an honor to have you here. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. All right. That is it for this week. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.